Today, more than a quarter of U.S. adults say they have no religion. America leans into faith. The single most significant trend in American religion over the last couple of decades, let's say, is that by a variety of measures, the country is growing considerably less religious. And you can see this in a variety of ways. When we ask people about their religious identification, do you think of yourself as Protestant, Catholic, uh, Jewish, Muslim, or as having no religion, we see that the share of people who identify with a religion is declining. And that's most pronounced when we look at Christianity. The share of Americans who describe themselves as Christians has declined from about 77% a decade ago to about 65% in our most recent survey. So that's a decline of 12 percentage points in just a decade. From Religion News Service, this is Beliefs. I'm Bill Baker. To understand who we are and what our numbers signify, we turn to math, to statistics. Some among us combine psychology, opinion, algebra, and faith to read the rivers of American opinion. Greg Smith is Associate Director of Research at the Pew Research Center. He helps to coordinate the center's domestic polling on religion. As the world feels stranger, we look for answers from the divine and from the numbers. Our guest, Greg Smith, who's the Associate Director of Research for the Pew Research Center, focusing on religion and faith. Uh, Greg, welcome. Thank you for having me. Greg, you folks have come out with some recent major surveys and have been doing them now for years. They turn out to be much more complex, nuanced, deeper than anybody else has ever done in this area of faith and religion. And honestly, not very well reported on. People tend to go on, uh, fly across the, uh, you know, the top of these numbers because there are so many of them. So I'd like to see if we could uh, go a little bit deeper and uh, you can explain some of these things. First, the general view these days about surveys and polls is really based on the two 2016 polling disaster of the presidential election. How are you dealing with that and how comfortable are you with these data that we're going to discuss? Well, first, let me just say thank you very much for the kind words. We, we do our best to try to represent this complex feature of American life, religion in American life, as, as comprehensively and as accurately as we can. There's no question that the polling landscape in the United States has changed a lot over the last couple of decades. We've seen uh, a transition from mostly telephone-based surveys conducted on landlines to methods that more commonly employed uh, interviews on both cell phones and landlines. And then even more recently, we're seeing a transition to surveys that are done online which poses a variety of advantages. It, it allows you to conduct surveys uh, sometimes more quickly and more uh, efficiently than you can on the phone, but it also creates uh, complexities in terms of trending back to surveys that we've conducted in the past. We're fortunate at Pew Research Center that we have an entire team of survey methodologists that helps us navigate the ever-changing landscape. And I think that really helps us uh, in our effort to accurately represent public opinion. How accurate in general would you say these surveys are, particularly the ones that we're talking about today, about religion and uh, political uh, interactions, et cetera? Can we count 
on what we say here and what what you've learned as being quite accurate, or is there still a, a big gray area? I certainly think that these survey results are are quite accurate, and and the way part of the reason I say that is that we can compare our surveys to various other sources. We can, in some cases, not so much with respect to religion, but on some indicators, we can compare our results to government benchmarks. We can also compare our results to surveys done by other organizations. And many of the trends we see in our surveys, especially uh, with respect to the declining religiousness of the U.S. public, they very much point in, the, in, in a similar direction uh, that you see in other sources. And that gives us a lot of confidence that that the results are accurate. I should also say with respect to the 2016 election, certainly the outcome of the election was surprising to many observers, but I would say that the national polling about the 2016 election was actually quite accurate. Um, mm. Most 2016 polls had suggested as the election approached that, that Hillary Clinton had a lead of a couple of points over Donald Trump. And that is in fact exactly how the national popular vote turned out. Now, of course, that's not how things turned out in the electoral college, but that's not necessarily an indictment of national polling. Okay, let's start out with the big, big stuff, the religious landscape that you alluded to, the percentages of Christians, the trajectories of uh, the percentages of uh, the non-believers or the nuns, all of those things. If you could start out and just give us an idea of what we're talking about in the landscape we're interested in, which is religion and faith. Yeah, I think that um, probably the the single most significant trend in, in American religion over the last couple of decades, let's say, is that by a variety of measures, the country is growing considerably less religious. And you can see this in a variety of ways. When we ask people about their religious identification, do you think of yourself as Protestant, Catholic, uh, Jewish, Muslim, or as having no religion? We see that the share of people who identify with a religion is declining. And that's most pronounced when we look at Christianity. The share of Americans who describe themselves as Christians has declined from about 77% a decade ago to about 65% in our most recent survey. So that's a decline of 12 percentage points in just a decade in the share of Americans who describe themselves as Christians. Over that same period, there's been a little bit of growth in the share of people who identify with faiths other than Christianity, uh, a little bit of growth in the share who describe themselves as Jewish or Muslim or Buddhist or Hindu or as members of other faiths. But there's been a lot of growth, very dramatic growth in the share of people who say they have no religion. The share of people in the United States who describe themselves as atheist or agnostic or as simply nothing in particular with respect to religion has grown from 17% a decade ago to 26% today. Today, more than a quarter of U.S. adults say they have no religion. That's a very big, very significant change in American life. Yes, it certainly is. What about the subgroups that you alluded to, the Muslims, the Jews? Uh, where are they in percentages of overall population? Overall, about 7% of American adults identify with faiths other than Christianity. The largest of those is Judaism. About 2% of American adults describe themselves as Jewish. And then you have about 1% of Americans who describe themselves as Muslim, another 1% or so who describe themselves as Buddhist, and a little less than 1% who describe themselves as Hindus. And of course, there's a large uh, number of other faiths represented in American life, but, but in smaller numbers. The share of Americans uh, who identify with 
faiths other than Christianity in total has grown from about 5% or so a decade ago to about 7% today. So there is growth among that group, uh, but it's relatively modest and it's uh, starting from a small base. Well, let's talk about uh, even the largest group, which is Christianity. Within Christianity, there are, of course, many Christian religions, but there are also many different types of Christians in the uh, importance of faith in their lives. For example, how ma- what percentage of this uh, group actually attends church every week or regularly or whatever? Are the amount of serious religious people in America, is that going down, even with the bigger numbers also going down? Uh, It certainly is. When we look, for example, at the share of Americans who say they attend religious services regularly, we see that that number is declining, just as is the share of Americans who identify with the faith. A decade ago, there were more Americans who said they attend religious services regularly, once a month or more, than there were who said that they seldom or never attend religious services. Over time, those two numbers got closer together. They met and crossed in about 2014. And today, we see that there are more Americans, 54% of Americans say they attend religious services a few times a year or less. Many of them say they never attend. And just 45% of Americans who say they attend religious services once a month or more often. So today, unlike a decade ago, there are more Americans who seldom or never attend religious services than there are who say they attend regularly. So we see these trends, not just in terms of religious identity, but also in terms of religious practice. So if we believe these data, and I do, and we say, well, gee, fewer and fewer people really even uh, care about their own faith. Uh, They may call themselves Christians, but they're not active Christians, uh, say, or Jews or or Muslims, whatever they might be. Uh, So why do we care about the influence of faith on elections, on all kinds of things? Because it seems like, in general, that's Faith is diminishing, so so should the influence of faith on political and other things in American life and culture. Well, I would point to a variety of reasons. Um, For one thing, we know that for many Americans, historically, religious faith has been a very important part of their lives. We, We even see that in our survey. In our surveys, huge numbers of people still tell us that religion is very important to them. So to the degree that you see changes occurring, in a part of American life that has for so long been so meaningful for so many, uh, I think that's a, that's a big and important change. Religion is a big and important factor in the lives of many Americans, has been historically, and so the degree to which that's changing speaks to something important in our society. But beyond that, I think you've pointed to something else that's very interesting, and that's this. We know that religion is connected with all kinds of other elements of American life. We know, for example, that religion is very closely connected to politics. We know that there are certain religious groups in the, in the country, especially uh, white evangelical Christians who tend to be uh, strongly Republican and conservative in their politics. We also know that religious, religiously unaffiliated people, those people who say they have no religion, that group that's growing, they are strongly democratic and liberal in their approach to politics. Uh, And so as 
the religious character of the United States changes, it's not at all unreasonable to think that that's going to have big political implications. I'd point out another uh, reason to, to think that these changes are consequential. We know that religious people, people who participate in religious activities and in religious organizations of various kinds, they also tend to be, on average, active in all kinds of other activities. They tend to be more involved in their communities. They're more likely to volunteer for the PTA. They're more civically engaged. And so that, of course, raises the question, well, as religion declines, as participation in religious organizations declines, uh, what does that mean for other elements of our civic life? The point is that religion is important, not just for its own sake, but also for its connection to all all kinds of other aspects of American life. Okay, uh, I understand that. But what about now as we think about the practical a aspects of what you are learning from your research about what Americans, particularly Americans of uh, faith, think about politics, how they will influence politics? Are there any changes uh, that you're starting to see statistically show up that you hadn't seen before? Yes, there's a couple of things we can point to. Uh, I mentioned that religiously unaffiliated people, we sometimes call that group the religious nuns, that's N-O-N-E-S. Uh, these are people who tell us they, they, they think of themselves as atheists or agnostics or as simply nothing in particular with respect to religion. That group is very politically democratic and liberal. They strongly support democratic candidates in presidential elections, for example. And that group is growing very rapidly to the extent that that is, that is uh, one part of the American public that's growing. You would expect politically that that may accrue to the benefit of the Democratic Party. Uh, on the other hand, we also know, at least historically, that religiously unaffiliated people, religious nuns, tend to be less politically engaged than other groups. And so that has limited their their political their political importance, so to speak, in, in recent elections. That, however, may be beginning to change. We are beginning to see in recent elections growth in the share of voters who say they have no religion. So that that is beginning to change. There's another interesting political development I would point to uh, that I've been keeping an eye on and will continue to keep an eye on moving forward. And that is uh, within the Democratic Party. We mentioned that religious nuns are growing and they're strongly democratic. Uh, and, and that means that a growing share of the Democratic constituency in the United States is not particularly religious. But of course, we also know that uh, another key part of the Democratic constituency is people, voters from racial and ethnic minority backgrounds, African-Americans, Hispanics, people from other racial and ethnic minority backgrounds. Those groups, on average, are highly religiously observant. They are, on average, deeply religious. And so what that means is that you've got this interesting coalition within the Democratic Party of not particularly religious, uh, largely white voters on the one hand, combined with voters from racial and ethnic minority backgrounds who are deeply religious on average. And, and how does that tension get resolved within the Democratic Party? I don't know the answer to that, but it's something that, that I think is interesting to keep an eye on moving forward. 
for uh, anyone interested in uh, faith and religion and politics or faith and religion in general, not to study some of the surveys that uh, Pew has done uh, is really a disservice to yourself. It is really amazing. For example, the influence of uh, particular uh, organized faith in politics, whether or not how people feel about from the pulpit, people speaking about politics. Can you talk about a few of those things for us, please? Yes, absolutely. It's it's interesting. When you look at Americans' attitudes about religion and public life, even though the United States is growing less religious over time, we can see very clearly that most Americans have quite a positive view of religion. There are more people in the United States who think that religious institutions do more good than harm in society than there are who think religious institutions do more harm than good. There are more people who think religious institutions strengthen morality than there are who say they think they weaken morality. More people think religious institutions bring people together then push them apart. We also know that uh, most Americans think that religious leaders have high or very high ethical standards. So Americans, by and large, have a positive view of religion's role in public life. That said, we also see great discomfort about having too much involvement in politics on the part of religious groups. We can see, for example, that almost two-thirds of American adults want churches and other houses of worship to keep out of political matters. Only one-third say they want churches and other houses of worship to express their views on day-to-day social and political questions. Three-quarters of American adults say that churches and other religious organizations should refrain from endorsing political candidates. And there are more Americans who say churches have too much influence in politics than there are who say they don't have enough influence in politics. So Americans, by and large, admire religious institutions, and they think they play an important role in American public life, but they are uncomfortable with churches and other religious organizations playing too prominent a role in politics. Greg, there was something else that uh, showed up in your research that I thought was interesting, and that is when people, when individuals, voters make decisions about who to vote for, values, morality uh, seem to be very important. Is religion itself important, whether or not the candidate goes to church regularly or is an active participant in, uh, in his or her faith? Well, in total and on average, Americans tell us that the morality and the ethics of a candidate is much more important than a candidate's own religious background when it comes time to cast a vote. We see, for example, that two-thirds of American adults tell us it's very important to them to have a president who personally lives a moral and ethical life. So that's very important to most voters. Far fewer people say it's important to have a president who has strong religious beliefs. Just one in five people say it's very important to have a president who has strong religious beliefs. And even fewer, just 14% of American adults, say it's very important to have a presidential candidate who shares their own religious beliefs. So on average, Americans tell us they want a, a morally upstanding ethical president. It's less important to have a president who is personally religious. That's all very interesting. And uh, and now another interesting aspect of all of this, and that is the recent changes, which you uniquely have been studying, and that is the influence of COVID-19. Can you fill us in on uh, on some of the headlines of the study, and then we can drill down a little bit deeper? 
I think it's a question many people have. What is the impact of the current situation going to be? What is the impact of the outbreak going to be on American religious life? What's its impact now? What's its impact going forward? And, you know, it's too early to tell what the long-term impact will be, but we can point to a couple of initial indicators. Number one, we see that about a quarter of American adults tell us that their own personal religious faith has actually become stronger as a result of the outbreak. Far fewer people, just 2% of U.S. adults, tell us that their own personal religious faith has grown weaker. Now, it's true that the big majority of the public tells us either that their own faith hasn't changed very much because of the outbreak, or they tell us, you know, I wasn't very religious to begin with, and I'm still not very religious. Mm. Uh, but still, there are far more people in the United States who say their faith has grown stronger than there are who say their faith has grown weaker. Now, what does that mean long term? It's, it's hard to know. And I say that in part because we see that the people who say their faith has been strengthened, most of them were already highly religious to begin with. That is to say, people who were most religious before, people who told us last year that they were very religious, are much more likely to say their faith has been strengthened as compared with those who, who were not very religious uh, even before the outbreak. We can also see big changes taking place in the way Americans participate in religious life. Maybe these results aren't surprising, but I think they're nevertheless illuminating. The vast majority of people who attend religious services in the United States tell us that their congregation is currently closed. Uh, nine in 10 people who attend religious services regularly tell us that their congregation is closed to public services. People are not gathering there in person. Just 3% of religious attenders tell us that their congregation is still open. So that avenue for religious participation is closed, at least for now. On the other hand, I was very struck by these numbers. The vast majority of regularly attending people in the United States, people who attend church or mosque or synagogue regularly, tell us that their congregation is now streaming or recording its services so that people can watch them online or on television. Among Christians who regularly attend church, 84% say their congregation is now providing that to their congregants. So what is the impact of that? We'll just have to see moving forward. But, it's, but it is striking how many churches and other kinds of congregations are making that available to their congregants. Do people of faith, of different faiths, view this crisis differently? Have there been different reactions from different faiths, or are they all about the same? There certainly are differences across religious faiths in their reactions to the outbreak, and especially in, in their perceptions of the way public officials are handling the outbreak. Now, these data are a little bit older. They come from mid-March, kind of in the early days of... Uh, of the time in which many parts of the United States were kind of locking down, shutting down. We were just beginning social distancing. At that time, what we were seeing is that many of the political divisions that we saw before the outbreak were carrying over into the way people evaluated public officials' response to the crisis. Specifically, um, white evangelical Protestants were much more approving of the way Donald Trump was handling the outbreak as compared with people from other religious backgrounds. In mid-March, two-thirds of white evangelical Protestants told us that they thought that Donald Trump had 
gauged the risks posed by the coronavirus accurately. And that was far higher than said the same among other religious groups. We also saw at that time, mid-March, something like three quarters of white evangelical Protestants told us they were very or somewhat confident that Donald Trump was doing a good job responding to the outbreak. Again, that was far higher than what we see among other religious groups. So there are big differences across religious groups in the way they're gauging the public response to the outbreak. Uh, Greg, uh, you're awash in, in data and see so much nuance that uh, uh, it is really almost mind-boggling, especially when somebody like me starts looking at what you have. You also see how other people report what your data shows. Uh, what is missing in the mainline vast reporting about what you what you have that you think you should highlight to us to give us even more insight in, in what you have uncovered. I think um, uh, most of the coverage of our research, I'm, I'm very grateful to have. I think it, it, it's great to um, get the findings out there. Uh, I would say maybe one thing that um, that is striking to me that, uh, that is important to point out, especially when we think about religion and politics, uh, is that you know, we talk a lot and there's a lot of coverage of white evangelical Protestants and their strong republicanism and their support for Donald Trump. And, and that's appropriate. That's, that's an, uh, a very important part of the connection between religion and politics in the United States. One thing that I've been struck by in, in recent polling, however, is that white evangelicals are not alone in their support for Donald Trump. We see uh, growing republicanism and support for, for the Trump administration among other white Christians as well. Something like two-thirds of white Catholics, for example, tell us that they think uh, Donald Trump is intelligent. Something like two-thirds of white Protestants who are not evangelical tell us that uh, they think Donald Trump fights for what they believe in. And most white Catholics and white Protestants who are not evangelical tell us that they tend to agree with Donald Trump on all or nearly all or many political issues that are important to them. So those groups of white Christians are perhaps not as supportive of Donald Trump as are white evangelicals, but they are for the most part, in his corner, and increasingly so. And I think that's an important element of the religion and politics connection that we need to remember. Of this religion and politics connection, again, we're talking about uh, subgroups of subgroups, really. What does that mean in the total percentage of the electorate? All of the groups that we've been discussing are, are, are quite large. Of course, none of them constitute a majority of the U.S. public or of U.S. voters, but these are quite large groups. Um, white evangelical Protestants, white Protestants who are not evangelical, white Catholics all account for uh, something uh, on the order of between 12 and 20 percent, let's say, of the U.S. public. So each of those groups individually is, is, is quite large and important. Uh, religious Nuns, N-O-N-E-S, they now account for something like a quarter of all U.S. adults. Uh, so, so these are uh, subgroups of subgroups, as you say, but they are large and important groups in American life. Well, we have to keep tracking this and keep trying to understand it and keep reporting on it uh, here at a Religion News Service. And I hope uh, with your uh, help and engagement. So, Greg, I hope we can come back to you frequently to hear what the latest is that you folks are uh, finding and reporting on so that we can share it with uh, all of the folks who listen. 
That would be terrific. We're going to keep monitoring these things, and, and it would be terrific to continue to share them with you. Thank you very much. Our guest was Greg Smith, Associate Director of Research at the Pew Research Center. The conversation continues on our Facebook page, and we tweet at Beliefs Podcast. If you like our program, come review us on iTunes. Beliefs is brought to you with the support of the Bernard L. Schwartz Center for Media, Public Policy, and Education at the Graduate School of Education at Fordham University. Jay Woodward is our producer with production assistance from Jonathan Smith. The theme music is by Edward Billis. I'm Bill Baker. Thank you for listening.